You know, there's a growing wave of feminism in the Western world. I don't know if you've noticed. There's been a few hashtag campaigns going down lately. Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement. Uh, you know, and things are things are changing and things had to change because in the Western world, there's been this kind of underlying misogyny that's been prevalent. And, uh, you know, while the world of social media and uh, is just going nuts about it and people are getting on board with it. I love the fact that thousands of years ago, in a very different and a far more oppressively male-led society, God was using women. God was, was doing great things through women. I, I, I know it's, it's, it's Resurrection Sunday and you're going, where's Dave going with this? Talking about... Uh, women's rights, but we're going to look at the resurrection today, which, by the way, is the crucial, central part, with the, along with the, the crucifixion. That's the core of our faith. But right in the midst of that story, right at its very heart, a woman, in fact, one woman in particular, is very key. And, and Pope John Paul, I don't listen to a lot of what Pope John Paul II said, but he puts it this well. He says this, and we've got this on the screen. He says, 30 years ago, in nine, uh, no, he didn't say that. He said it 30 years ago, and I don't know, hopefully you guys have got this. If not, you can just follow along with me. This is what he said. While I was, you know, just cruising around on a skateboard and uh, in the mean streets of Avonhead and Christchurch, this is what Pope Paul II was saying. He's saying, the woman are the first at the tomb. They are the first to find it empty. They are the first to hear he is not here. He is risen, as he said. They are the first to embrace his feet. The women are also the first to be called to announce this truth to the apostles. The Gospel of John emphasizes the special role of Mary Magdalene. She is the first to meet the risen Christ. Hence, she came to be called the apostle of the apostles. Mary Magdalene was the first eyewitness of the risen Christ, and for this reason, she was also the first to be a witness to him before the apostles. This event, in a sense, crowns all that has been said previously about Christ entrusting divine truths to women as well as men. That's pretty cool. And I'm not going to preach a, a message on feminism, but I, I love the fact that 2,000 years ago, our God was revealing his son, his resurrection in in the most crucial moment of history to a woman first. And today I want to explore the central event of our faith through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Who is this Mary? Aside from Jesus, she's actually the central figure in the, the resurrection story. She's the first on the scene and she's key to sharing the miracle. Of the resurrection. So, so who is she? Let's back the story up a little bit. How did she come to know Jesus at all? How was it that she was at the tomb? How did she come to know this carpenter turned teacher turned savior of the world? Well, Luke 8 is the passage that we, we meet Mary Magdalene. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. Otherwise, you can read along with us. In Luke 8, verse 1 to 3, it says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with them, and also some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, 
from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chazza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And that's all we know about Mary Magdalene until the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's, that's all the mention she gets. But there are many other women there as well. And the woman of distinction, I might add. Joanna is the manager of King Herod's household. That's actually a pretty high up position. And I want to just dispel a myth around Mary Magdalene. See, if you've heard of Mary Magdalene, you might have heard that she was a fallen woman, that she was once a prostitute. Nowhere here or anywhere else in the Gospels is Mary actually ever described as a prostitute. However, around 591, Pope Gregory the Great, supposedly, I don't know if he gave himself that name, Pope Gregory in 591 identified Mary Magdalene with the anonymous sinful woman who comes and pours perfume on Jesus' feet, and also with Mary of Bethany, who's the, the sister of, of Martha and Lazarus. So he kind of makes this composite Magdalene, it's called. And, uh, and the myth of, of Mary being a prostitute arose from that. And poor old Mary's been stuck with that ever since. Like to the point that she was made the patroness of penitent prostitutes. They started to call houses for these women Magdalene hospitals. And the women themselves were called Magdalene's. So... So poor Mary, all because some Pope got a bit confused about the Marys in the Bible. And to be honest, to be fair to Pope Gregory, there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament. Probably too many, uh, really. And, uh, but there's no excuse. <laughs> and, but because of that confusion, she was labeled with this. We don't, we don't know a lot about her, but she wasn't a prostitute. But she was a woman with issues. She wasn't a woman who had some problems. We don't know exactly what they were. We can only guess. Maybe she was gripped by fear and anxiety in her life. Maybe she was dominated and ruled by that. Maybe she was abused as a child and, and she's grown up with bitterness and anger and, and resentment in her heart. Maybe she was physically unwell. Maybe it was all those things and more. Because it says that Jesus got rid of seven demons or, 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 or spirits from her. So all we really know is that Jesus worked a miracle in her life. He set her free from spiritual oppression. And because of that, she's following him. She and the other woman with her are following after Jesus. And it amazes me, I don't know if you caught that last sentence of that passage I read to you, but it says, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Have you ever stopped to think about that? These women, Mary, Joanna, Susanna, and many others, were supporting Jesus and his disciples out of their own pockets. Wow. It's easy to kind of skip over that, but that's actually a massive deal in a male-dominated culture. But when, you know, if you were widows, you pretty much have to be supported by your family the rest of your life. No, no, these women are actually breaking the norm and supporting the men. It was them. It wasn't just Jesus. They were supporting Jesus and the disciples. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sending Mayor out to work next week. <laughs> no, it's, this tells us a couple of things. It tells us, first of all, how committed they were to Jesus and his mission. 
that they would give of what little they had to support him and his disciples. And it tells us also the humility of Jesus, who he who owned everything, who was and is and is to come, the great Son of God comes and makes himself nothing and lives off the charity of others, the charity of women in a male-led society. That's such humility. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for our sake, he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Jesus did that for us. Now, you, you don't hear anything much about Mary after that until we come to the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection. And Mary Magdalene is actually unique among all the followers of Jesus in that she is the only one who is specified by name as a witness to those three crucial events, to the crucifixion, to the burial, and to the resurrection. She's the only one that's named in all those events in the Gospels. She's present and she's named. None of the other disciples were, not John, the disciple Jesus loved, not Peter, the one we hear so much about. That's pretty cool. And it's around the resurrection story that Mary Magdalene really comes to the fore. So we're going we're gonna to focus in on this story. In John 20, the story of the resurrection. John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so then Peter and John, they run to check out the tomb and, and find that that's true. So we skip ahead to verse 11. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus Excuse me. said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you for this amazing story. I ask that you would speak to us through the eyes of Mary Magdalene about what it is to follow you wholeheartedly and, and reveal something fresh to us, we pray this Easter. Amen. So things we can learn from Mary Magdalene. Firstly, we can learn dedication to Jesus. Dedication to Jesus. Starting out, as I said earlier, with her financial support, of Jesus and his disciples, the fact that she's present at the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But here, first thing, in the morning, 
after the Sabbath day, when they can't go near the body, because that's against their ritual and law, while it's still dark, Mary's at the tomb. She's dedicated, even in death. She saw him die. She saw him buried. And he's been there three days, sealed in a tomb. You know, if anything's going to shake your faith in something or someone, it would be seeing them brutally murdered and then buried and then stay there. And yet the first opportunity she has, she's there. She's waiting. She's at the tomb. I don't know how she thought she was going to drag the massive stone away from the tomb. I don't know if she thought that through, but she was there, dedicated. It didn't matter after all, anyway. How do you respond when your dreams have been shattered, like Mary's would have been, seeing Jesus die and buried? Do you come expecting him to still come through? When you, what happens when you feel like God has let you down big time? Because that's what... It, Mary would have been feeling all this expectation around what Jesus was going to do, and then he's gone. All this expectation about what God is going to do, and you feel like, ah, where is he? What's he doing? Are you still dedicated to him, even when it seems like things are dead? Or is your love, is your dedication reliant on God doing what you expect him to do? Because let's be honest, we like to put God in our little God-shaped box. And we like Him to do things the way we've asked Him to do. And if He doesn't, we get a bit put out. And we maybe have a wee sock. And our dedication wanes a bit. And perhaps we don't follow Him as closely as we should. Or is your dedication to Jesus, does it transcend that like Mary's? Is it so dedicated that She's there, even though he's dead and buried. She's there, the first opportunity she has. We don't know what Mary was thinking at that point, but we do know she was looking for a dead body. She wasn't looking for a risen Christ. But she was dedicated to him even in death, even with her small understanding of what Jesus could do, she was there. She was dedicated to Jesus. Secondly, the second thing we can learn for Mary is passion for Jesus. Passion for Jesus. Mary was weeping outside the tomb. When was the last time you poured out your hearts before God? When was the last time you wept for someone maybe to come to know Christ? When were you so passionate about something that you were moved to tears? My kids are moved to tears over not getting enough chocolate at Easter. <laughs> you know, I think there's something about the passion that, that kids have that we lose as adults. I'm not saying you should cry if you don't get your Easter egg today. But sometimes I think we need to allow ourselves to be moved. Jesus himself, in the garden of Gethsemane, before he died, he wept 
tears of blood. It's called the passion of the Christ, that whole story. Because he was so passionate that he, that he went to the cross for us. He loved us so much that, that he was prepared to die. And he didn't want to do it. But he was that passionate about, about it. What are you, where are your passion levels for Christ this Easter? Or are they just a bit like, oh, well, I got a sweet five-day, four-day holiday. That's nice. You know, Mary ran to get the disciples. You don't run as a Middle Eastern woman. You, you, you just don't. Unless it's something of really great significance, of real importance. Are we running for Christ? Are we running to our neighbors? Are we running to tell them the good news? Often we're more passionate about the latest movie we saw or the, the latest restaurant we found that's got good whatever, food, <laughs> or the latest sports game that we've seen, whether Parker knocked out Anthony Joshua or not. We're more passionate about those things. Are you like Mary, so passionate? She's running with her story about the risen Christ. Because it's not just a story. It's something that will change your life if you allow it in. It's a reality that can crash in and change your reality if you let it. The resurrected king can resurrect things in your life today. He can resurrect those dreams that are dead. He can resurrect those relationships that you thought were broken and gone forever. He can resurrect your finances when you thought you were bankrupt. He can do that. He can resurrect your body at the end of days. That's what the empty tomb tells us. That Christ is resurrected and his resurrection power is here for us today. And you need to be excited about that, church. Come on, you can get excited about that. Yeah. The third thing that we learn from Mary Magdalene is confidence in Jesus. Confidence in him. So Mary is outside the tomb. She's comforted by a man as she's weeping outside. And this, we pick it up in verse 15. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Hang on. How does a single woman think she's going to carry a heavily wrapped, let's, he's going to be stiff, dead body back to the, how did she think she was going to do that? Perhaps Mary wasn't thinking straight. Perhaps she was emotionally overwrought. Or perhaps she just trusted that even in death, Jesus could do something miraculous. And she could somehow get the body back to the tomb where it was supposed to be. Perhaps she trusted even in that moment. She had confidence in Jesus. There's something about Jesus that had so empowered Mary that she believed that he could do anything, even after the fact that he was dead. She had that much confidence in Jesus. She just thought, oh, I, could, I can get him. And then, of course, something crazy, something miraculous does happen. Jesus said to her, verse 16, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus was alive. That's the greatest miracle 
ever. The man who was brutally whipped and beaten and pierced and nailed to a cross and laid in a tomb for three days is suddenly standing there in front of her talking. And she's understanding what he's saying. No wonder she clings to him. And Jesus has to say, no, no, don't hold on to me. Go tell your brothers. Go tell everyone else. Go tell those lazy boys who are still in bed. Because you're up first, Mary. (laughs) There's a message there for us too, though. Don't cling to Jesus at the expense of others. Don't get so cozy with your faith that you neglect to share the amazing miracle with the world around you. The message of the risen Christ needs to be told, not just kept at the tomb. Don't get so caught up in what it means to you that you forget to tell others about what it can mean for them. Yes, it's done great things in your life, but it can do great things in the world around you. And so Mary Magdalene, she took that message. She went and she told the incredible news that Jesus was alive to the disciples, to the ones who'd given up, to the ones who weren't quite as dedicated, as passionate, as confident as Mary was in her Savior. I just want to invite the band up. My challenge this morning, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. If you're a Christian here, be humble enough to learn from Mary Magdalene. Despite what things may look like on the outside. See, on the outside, for Mary, things didn't look good. The one she'd come to put her trust in, the one she loved and had given and had put her trust in, was gone. She saw him killed. She saw his dead body laid in a grave. Maybe today, the things that you have hoped for, you've seen them killed. You've seen them laid in a grave and you think, that's it. I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be able to achieve that in my life. Maybe you've seen a, just a, you've had a major split with someone. You've thought, man, that friendship can never be restored. I've blown it. That is dead and buried. No, it's not. In Christ, through His power, that can come alive again. Restoration can happen. Come on, that dream that you had can come alive again. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe you've just seen things get to a point that you, you can't see your way out. Jesus can turn that situation around. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe you are literally on the verge of bankruptcy. God can turn that around. Because His resurrection power is available to you. Romans 8, 11. This is an amazing passage. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The same power that rose Christ from the dead, if you're a Christian here today, is alive in you. So be like Mary. Be like Mary. There's something about Mary. Be like Mary. 
be dedicated. Get up early. Seek His face. Be passionate. Run after Him with all you've got. Allow yourself to be moved to tears. And be confident. Be confident that He can do a miracle. That He can do what He said He would do. Because He is the risen King. Because He died and He rose again. Come on, we just need to put our trust and our God once again. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Today, I believe there's a number of people here and you're actually looking for God. But you've been looking and not seeing, though He's right in front of you. You see, the craziest, the craziest part of the story is, is, we pick it up in verse 13. You know, there's the angels at the tomb are there, and they say, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. What? <laughs> How does that even happen? The very person you are looking for is standing right in front of you and you don't recognize them. I'm looking for Narisha. And yet I'm not seeing her. How does that happen? Something's going on there. I'll tell you how it happens. It happens when you look for the dead among the living. When you look for the dead among the living. Mary was looking for a dead body, not a living man. When you expect a dead God, your eyes will be blinded to the living God. When you look to religious activity, to a strict code of morals, of doing right and obeying this and earning your way into favor with God, you'll miss the real living God who is right in front of you. Because He is love. He is generosity. He is hope. He is goodness. You see, Mary completely missed Jesus, though he was standing right in front of her. God is here this morning. He's been whispering to you in the worship. He's maybe maybe been murmuring to you through this message. He's here. And he wants you to know him. Look what happens in the story. In verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, Mary. See, it's only when Jesus says her name that she hears. It's only out of relationship that you know God. He's not a force in the sky. He's not some distant being. He came in human form. You know, we're created in God's image. That means that there's a personhood, a a sense of, of a person in God, and we have to know Him through relationship. It's when that, when, when Jesus said Mary, when He engaged her at a relational level, that she saw who He really was. This morning, you need to engage with God at a relational level, not as some distant being, but you need to allow Him in. Personally, He's calling your name. He's calling your name. He may have called Mary back then, but He's calling your name this morning. 
So just with every eye closed in this place, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that call, to respond to that loving God who is right there in front of you, calling your name. All you need to do is do what Mary did. It says that she turned towards Him. This morning, can I, can I plead with you? Turn towards Jesus. Turn towards God. If that's you this morning and you know that God is calling you into relationship with Him, then I want you to do something brave. I want you to raise your hand. I'll see it and you can put it down. So in, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do that. And I'm believing that God is going to meet you in that place. Mary saw Jesus and everything changed for her. This morning, I'm believing you're going to see and experience Jesus, a different Jesus, not the dead one, the alive one in your life this morning. So on a count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You can put it down. And then we are all going to pray together. One, two, three. If that's you here this morning, just raise your hand. I'll see it. And you can put it down. Anybody here, you know that God is calling your name. Come on, I believe there are people here. Jesus knows you. And he wants relationship with you. Stop fighting Him. Stop battling Him. He loves you. And He's got good plans for you. He doesn't want to spoil things. He wants to make them amazing. All you need to do is respond to Him. Who's here this morning wants to respond to Jesus? I see that hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? We drag this moment out because this is the most important decision you'll ever make. And can I tell you, you're surrounded by friends who have made that decision before. Anybody here? I've seen one hand. Are there any more? Okay. You can raise your eyes and you can look at me. And if you didn't put your hand up, but you know in your heart, yeah, actually, I... I'm feeling this call, then we're all going to pray. And you can pray that prayer as well. See, the thing is, I don't have to see it for it to be an interaction between you and God. I'm not the mediator between you and God. It's Jesus. So you can pray to Jesus right now and something can change in your heart. So we are all going to pray together. I'll pray a line you, you repeat after me. Dear God, come on nice and loud. Dear God, I come to you today. And I say, I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness for my sin. And I take your death and your resurrection into my life. Come, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. Awesome. Come on, let's put our hands together. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I tell you what, if you want to talk more about that decision, if you've got questions, please come in and grab me after the service or one of the team you see here. We'd love to talk with you about that. That'd be awesome. Hey, we're going to finish with a song of celebration. 
and we're going to have some fun stuff afterwards. So thanks, team. Let's finish with a song. Thank you.